0: This episode is thanks to Bougie Smile. What's better than getting your teeth widened? Well, getting your teeth widened while listening to R and B and hip hop music. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanaugh. Hello, Left of Field listeners. I'm Danny Kavanaugh, and today I'm joined by Brittany Taylor. Brit was a 2015 Miss Universe WA finalist. Now, she is massive in the horse racing industry. She does everything from Sky Racing, Tab Touch Radio, part of Channel 10 and Melbourne Cup. And she is one very extremely busy lady. But she gives us a great insight today into the industry, into owning a horse, into breeding horses and into racing them. So uh, I hope you enjoy Brett, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going today? Good. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Now, you are a very busy lady. We've just spoken about how you got to head up to Broome for the Broome Sprint and doing racing all around Perth, if people weren't aware. Why don't you update our listeners? Where are you at at the moment?
1: Well, uh, yes, this week was great, given that it was Broome Carnival Week, so I did get up to Broome on Tuesday to the sprint, ladies' day, which was a, a very long day. Unfortunately, didn't get to stay for the duration of the week. It was just up and back in the one day. So it was a very long 16-hour day. But you, and to be able to get up there is great, but had to be back for the Wednesday to do the Belmont guy racing coverage. And then, again, yesterday out at Belmont. So generally, most days you'll find me on a race course
0: somewhere. Obviously, racing is your life. Horses a big part of who you are. How did you get into the racing industry?
1: Well, I was basically born into it for two generations before me, have all been into horse racing. My grandma was the first female horse trainer in Western Australia and then my dad was an apprentice jockey to her and then turned trainer. So he's still training now. So it was always probably inevitable that we'd be involved in in some way, my brother and I. But to be honest, my mum tried to probably steer us away from it in many cases. I think a lot of racing kids probably only know one thing in that's because that's all they've been exposed to so it was really important to mum in particular that we were exposed to all different avenues and were allowed to explore all different you know other sports or whether it was you know dancing or anything she just enrolled us into everything so we would have the most opportunity to find what we loved and as it turns out both of us have ended up working in the industry in the end.
0: Yeah, your grandma was quite the pioneer. What was it like being so involved in the industry so young?
1: Yeah, I mean, from as young as I can remember, I was working on the farm. I think I started when I was 12 in the gap just before transitioning into high school into year eight. And it was that big summer holidays and I wanted to earn a bit of money to I think was to buy a laptop or something like that. And my parents have always been really big on teaching us, you know, the value of money and that you have to work hard and and so I started working every Sunday and I basically worked every Sunday throughout high school in order to earn a bit of pocket money and to be able to enjoy all the things that I wanted to. And then when I got to uni, that became sort of my morning job in, in a, be able to support myself through uni.
0: I've never left the stable since. Do you love then most about the racing industry? What's kept you so involved?
1: It's probably two-pronged. One... One half of it is working with the horses themselves. If, when you wake up in the morning, and it is early, it always is you know, early starts, and particularly in the middle of winter, it can be cold and rainy and the conditions aren't ideal. And you jump on the back of a horse and it's you know, riding around the property and there's a beautiful sunrise. You just go, oh, I can't imagine doing anything else. I, I don't want to be stuck in an office or anything like that. This is a beautiful way to start the day. And that's one half of it, and then the other part is probably more the racing itself is getting to witness people's stories so you just it's really indescribable the way that a horse can make someone feel in, in when they you know win a race and someone maybe have had a really tough time you know maybe they've had ill health for a little while or for whatever reason they needed a pick me up and that horse on race day is able to give them that so You generally see one of those stories each and every week and it's just days like that you go, oh, this is why I love it.
0: You're involved in so many different elements of racing from track work through to being in front of the camera with Sky Thoroughbred, and Tab Touch. What part do you enjoy the most?
1: Mm, I think the thing that I love the most is that I can do it all. I've always been asked that. And early days, it was a thing of, you know, well, which one are you going to want to do? Do you want to ride and train horses or do you want to be in the media side of it? And I thought, no, I'd like to do both. And at the moment, I'm able to do both, which is really great to be able to combine both of the things that I love.
0: So you actually own a few horses, like you've mentioned. You have own a greyhound, I believe, as well? <laughs> yes, I do. I've, once you get the bug,
1: it, it really bites because I got my first racehorse as a present for my 18th birthday. In fact, as we're speaking, I've just left his paddock. So he's retired now and I've just been out at the retirement property this morning. And yeah, at 18 years old, I was gifted a share in him and he placed or won at his first 13 starts. I was never out of the money first 13 starts and it really was the catalyst for me being like right every year I'm going to buy some you know shares in one or more racehorses so now I've got a, a pretty full stable at the moment and then also a greyhound too.
0: How many horses at the moment?
1: It's a really good question I reckon at last count I think there might be about 10 including a couple babies I have just wow. bred I've, I'm in my first year of breeding some so I have two shares in two broodmares who've had foals so they're now weanlings and so uh, the the numbers are definitely growing.
0: Any racing at the moment? Yes there is I had one uh, race during
1: the week surveillance he finished third. Here's my pride and joy for most people they they don't like this horse too much because he hasn't won he's had so many placings and He had the dream start to his career where he won the ladies' bonus. So that was an initiative by Magic Millions where they had a $75,000 bonus for horses that were all ladies' owned. So we've got a really, really great group of 27 women who have all come together to race this horse. And he was able to win the bonus that year. So he owes us nothing, but he finished second in the race, won the bonus. And he has not been able to win since, but I just absolutely adore him. And I know a win has to be around the corner soon.
0: What advice would you give to people who want to get involved in ownership?
1: I would say just do it. It, It's
0: one of those things that is just so
1: exciting and it brings really different types of people together. You know, I, I own horses and dogs for that matter with people who I would never really normally come across in my everyday life. And you just meet such wonderful people and get to have a great shared experience
0: it tough to get involved in horse ownership how does someone starve
1: no it's actually really easy naturally for me it's always been an, an easy pathway given that my dad trains the horses but, but for a lot of people being involved in something like owners only and the own the dream competition which basically allows people everyday people to form a team together and owners only take you on a behind the scenes look of the racing industry so you go out and visit various stables and can get a feel for a day in the life of a racehorse looks like, and you might pick the stable or the trainer that you really connect with, and then you can just contact them and get a share at the Ealing's house.
0: Hmm, Sounds fun, actually. It sounds like I want to get involved in. Exactly. (laughs) Are you like me? You like to drink red wine and lots of coffee, but you really want to brighten your smile well? Why not head to Bougie Smile? Why not head to Bougie Smile? In Mount Lawley? they are offering clinically proven teeth whitening treatments while you listen to hip-hop and R&B music. And in those 60 short minutes, you'll have the brightest smile with results ranging from 4 to 10 shades whiter. When I got it done, I actually improved by 8 shades whiter, so it is well worth it. And it's so simple, so fun with the RB music. You sit in the chair and I literally was dancing. So why not give it a go? Use the code left of field when booking with a bougie smile, and you will get a very nice 15% discount. Brighten your teeth and drink all that red wine and coffee and but not be afraid to smile. I've known that you have a good eye for picking horses. What do you look for in a winner, both like in the mountain yards and when you're buying like a share in a horse?
1: It's probably in some way slightly different to what you might look for at a yearling sale where you're looking for really the athlete. It's a situation where, you know, when you look at, you know, whether it be a, a football or at the Olympics, you're looking at them and you can, you can tell when someone really looks an athlete. And for horses, you're looking for that athletic specimen, but you're also looking for clean legs and, and things like that. Whereas when it comes to a mounting yard perspective, I think it's all about profiling the horse. So for me, it's identifying what they looked like at their previous start or their previous campaign and how much improvement in either their behavior or physical condition there has been since the last time I saw them.
0: Yours at the moment, uh, any of we should be looking out for?
1: I would like to say surveillance, but uh, he's let us down a few too many times. He's so consistent. He keeps running placings. I've got a few uh, ones just come back into work enticing, looking forward to what he can do this preparation because he's been one that just always seems sort of six months away from reaching his full potential. So hopefully this campaign he can do just that. And uh, most of them are out spelling at the moment. So, yeah, but looking forward to sort of seeing what they can do.
0: And so... Then how did you get involved in the media side of it all?
1: Well, that sort of happened really organically. I was at uni. I think I'd just finished a Bachelor of Commerce and I'd always been interested in in media and I had been given a few opportunities just to do lots of social media type content, a little bit for Perth Racing, a little bit for Raw, a little bit for Tab Touch. And from there, everything kind of snowballed and my motto had always been say yes to every opportunity because you never know where it might lead and and in doing so every opportunity kind of got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and now I've been able to make a career out of it.
0: So you were a part of Miss Universe and obviously that would have given you a great opportunity to get involved. What other advice would you have for someone who's wishing to start a career in racing? There are probably some young women out there who are wanting to get into this traditionally male-dominated industry. What advice would you have for them?
1: I think it's about fully immersing yourself within the industry. It's It can be quite complex. There are so many facets of racing and, and what goes on behind the scenes in order to get a horse to race day. And it's about learning all of that. I, I basically, when I was starting, I would dedicate every spare hour there was to learning everything I needed to do. And then that became quite organically for things that I'd kind of just grown up that general knowledge. But when it came to actually needing to create conversation around the analysis of racing, it was about understanding the sectionals and the betting moves and all of that. So for me, it was all about research and really just immersing myself in everything I could when it came to racing.
0: Obviously, the racing industry sometimes gets a bit of a bad rap. How do you see how the horses are treated?
1: Yeah, it's really tough when people come out and and have that negative perception and it typically is once a year. Those people come out around Melbourne Cup time because it's the only time they know racing is actually on despite it going all year round and it's really tough being someone who literally gets up every single morning to love and care for these animals. You know, they're purpose-bred to run and I'm at a horse property right now and I can watch horses gallop from one side of the paddock to the other and that's what they're born to do that's what they love to do their natural instinct is to race each other and run and I can tell you that they are the most well cared for animals they have each have you know a dentist a chiropractor a farrier like the the teams that go behind one racehorse to get them to race day is incredible and I've also just come from our retirement paddock so We've got all our old retired horses who have finished their racing careers. Some were fast, some were slow, some never made it to the track. And yet they're living out their days on 200 acres, green pasture and loving life.
0: Yeah, that's another misconception, isn't it, really, that they might be put down after they're not going to you know, win you any more money.
1: Where I am right now, I can see that there is a thoroughbred being ridden around an arena or multiple, you know, they can go into dress art, show jumping, cross country, all the eventing scene. Uh, We've rehomed horses to the polo, to uh, the police force. There are so many avenues for horses to have their second life. The racing's just their first chapter and then, you know, there is so much they can do in their second chapter.
0: We're heading into the spring racing carnival. What are you most looking forward to this year?
1: Oh, I look forward to it every year. I guess it's the, the really good horses starting to come out and we're probably seeing that just at the back end of winter as well. And oh, just looking forward to seeing what horses are going to emerge. Often the, the three-year-olds are quite exciting as well because, you know, they the just newly turned three-year-olds now who might come out and really stand themselves as, you know, a horse to watch for the future. So always looking forward to uh, the big races come Carnival time.
0: And uh, what's your big dream then in the racing industry? Obviously, you know, winning a Melbourne Cup would be nice, but uh, what else? would <laughs>
1: you... Look, I'd take any Group One um, <laughs> as an as an Railway rider, stakes. We'll go with the
0: Railway. Yeah. We'll start. I'll, I'll in take WA. Railway. Uh,
1: I'd, I'd love to own a Winterbottom winner. Dad's won two Winterbottoms as a trainer, so that's always been a, a race that's been very dear to our hearts and. Uh, we don't have a railway so we take one of those but uh, yeah any group one is the dream of I think any person who you know invests in racing or follows racing so as an owner that would be be really nice to be able to achieve that Or, or even within our stable to be able to do that when you're up you know every day riding them yourself you become really attached to them you form really close bonds and Watching them succeed, to be honest, even when it's not a group one, even just a run-of-the-mill Saturday, you know, there's so much satisfaction that comes with that.
0: And uh, how is the racing industry going in Australia? One of the only sports really during COVID that got to continue going and you could watch all the time.
1: I think it's going really well through covid Uh, as you mentioned one of the only sports to continue and we saw it through uh, the turnover the numbers there have been huge that people have actually turned their attention to racing which they hadn't previously had those sorts of numbers but when you take away a little bit of the competition um, with other sports and potentially not being able to go forward I think it really put racing in the forefront of people's minds people who were sitting at home maybe turned on their tv and went "Oh." oh, racing's actually on. So, yeah, this is the thing is a lot of people still don't quite realise that racing goes all year round. It, it's always on and it's not just the carnival time. These horses are still racing every single day around the country. And I think that maybe people started to realise that through COVID. The challenge now, I think, is keeping those people who have been maybe, you know, your, your lockdown punters or uh, people who, who have just been a casual observer throughout COVID is to keep them as fans going forward
0: yeah and there is a lot of even regional races that are on that I think people are starting to enjoy as they travel around see what's going on there which is great for the industry I think it grows it and yeah it can be quite exciting can't they
1: uh, some of those regional destinations are so much fun. The towns really come alive. Like even with Broome, they had a rodeo the night before. They have the Calcutta. There's a lot that without not just the race day, but just all everything around of it makes it a real carnival experience. And and the fact that people can travel to the destination, they tie it in with a holiday. And some of those carnivals, Kalgoorlie is one coming up. That's a really really fun carnival. Uh Hannon's Inter Cup Day and uh, people really treat that as a good time out.
0: Yeah, and I know uh, Kalgoorlie, or the marquees, and that already sold out, so it's going to be a big one. Uh, people better oh, it will be. get <laughs> organized if they want to head up to that one. I like to ask all my guests when they come on a motto then that they like to live life by, and what are some words that you could leave us with today?
1: I've always lived by the motto, the harder you work, the luckier you get. I think I've been incredibly lucky with where opportunities will come up and where I've been able to get to but that wasn't without hard work and I think it is so important to you know work really really hard and and if you do I just believe that the opportunities will come your way so it's just always been something that I've lived by.
0: That's lovely well thank you so much you'll be at Belmont on Saturdays and Wednesdays?
1: Yes we are at Belmont on Wednesday and Saturday so uh, looking forward to that.
0: Well, thanks so much, but We look forward to a spring carnival and seeing you around, and hopefully, with some of your horses winning. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Brittany, and thank you again for listening to another episode of the Left of Field podcast. If you liked that one, please give me a rating or tell someone you know about the episode. Telling people, spreading the word, really helps me. So. Get out there and let everyone know to listen to the Left of Field podcast. I really appreciate it. I'll be back in your ears again next week. So have a great week, everyone, and goodbye.